1: Garden Church podcast.
2: Man, thank you, Pastor John. Um, what a joy it is to be with you again. I love the garden. Um, and uh, when I left yesterday morning, my wife was a little bit bummed because she wasn't. Am I allowed to say that in church? I just dig. Um, because she's not able to come, she's back home. She, they've uh, finished their meeting already. Um, I just want to say before I, I um, start this morning, I so appreciate our friendship um, with this church. Um, I so appreciate our friendship with Darren and Alex, who are not only pastors to you, but they're pastors to us. Um, out on the northeast coast, and uh, we're seeing God do some amazing things. We planted our church um just um, under two years ago, actually, in September 2020, in the thick of COVID, um, everyone was like, it's the worst thing you can possibly do. But how many of you know light belongs in dark places and that we are carriers of hope and that when hope shows up in a particular geography, people are inspired. People get their hearts changed. They find community. When hope shows up, transformation comes. And... Um, So we we went ahead and thought we'll we'll go against the grain and plant a church on the northeast coast. I had some friends from um, the Bible Belt tell me, you're committing ministry suicide. It's so progressive and liberal and there's so many weird ideologies. Um, How on earth are you going to plant a church in those places? And the beautiful thing is that the gospel is both intellectually satisfying and experientially glorious. And uh, God's word always has the last say. It will last forever. I'm going to preach myself happy today. I'm a crazy Pentecostal, so every now and then I might even say amen to my own good points. <laughs> but um, we've seen God do some amazing things. We're now pushing through 100 mark, which, uh, if you know anything about that region, it's a miracle. If you know anything about church planting, In the first year or two years, it's a miracle. And so we're so grateful that God is much more clever than we are. And that despite all of our brilliant strategies and ideas, he comes in by his presence, and we're seeing God do something amazing. We're not dialing down the gospel. I love what I'm seeing here. I'm presuming Darren put this here. It says, show them what you've experienced. Don't tell them what you know. Well, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. There's a little thing taped on here. And uh, we've decided to preach the full gospel. That is not simply in word, but in deed and in the power of the Spirit. That's what Paul describes as the full revelation of the gospel. We're making Jesus glorious because he is. We're helping people understand that God is good, much kinder than we could ever anticipate, and that he's less grumpy than most people think. (laughs) And do you know what? It's working. It's working, God's moving, and it's such a joy, and I want to say that, I say all of that because actually a large proportion of the breakthroughs, actually I need to say this, Easter Sunday, we had two responses to the gospel for the first time as people came to Jesus. Okay, that really was a golf club. You know golf, well done. Jo- jolly good shots. Um, I'm just gonna. Why don't you pretend like I made that announcement that two people got saved as if you just got saved. We saw two people. And it still gets me. The wonder of salvation. It still gets me. I mean, I was a hopeless, lost, utterly depraved person, and God broke in and went, I like you. Ah, he's much kinder. I, I say all of this, To say to you that your partnership with us, uh, both in terms of the resources, um, every now and then I'm texting Faith to figure out what sound stuff's happening, how things are working. I'm trying to figure out systems with um, our team and your partnership with us is changing uh, the northeast uh, part of America. We're seeing God break out in the city of Boston. It really is colder than you think. And my African blood cannot handle it. But there's fire on the East Coast. And I want to say thank you for partnering with us. It is such a joy to have my friend um, Taylor Jenkins. He's just sitting in the front. Taylor, won't you wave? Taylor is a a young uh, minister from uh, Chattanooga. Um, I didn't even know where that was until I met him. Um, And uh, we're having so much fun with you. Gosh! Ana, is it Anastasia, is that right? Or Anastasia, how do I say that? Um, Anastasia. Anastasia. You just read that with some glory, didn't you? That was like, the, it is, guys, if only you could know what it feels like sometimes up here, in terms of the very weighty presence of God. How I many of you know there's a difference between the omnipresence of God, God is everywhere, all the time, at any time, So even when you're running to hide from him, he's already there, so quit trying, right? He's the beginning and he's the end all at the same time. He's not trying to figure out the beginning from the end, he is it. He's both the end and the beginning, Alpha and Omega. And we know that his omnipresence is everywhere, but the Bible describes to us in numbers of places what we would describe as his manifested presence suddenly God shows up in a particular way and he makes himself more known than he did a few moments ago. I don't know if you noticed this, but when you walk into this building, whilst I really am appreciative of the wonderful artwork that we see in this building, it is made by hand. There's nothing holy about this place. There's nothing holy about brick and mortar. But as we began to worship, suddenly you sense, it feels like God is in this place. And if you're not a Christian and you're um, here today or you're watching online, you might have sensed a, a warmness coming to your heart. You might have sensed a, 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 the only description I sometimes use is like a weight, a good weight, like a, a kid that has a weighted blanket on them when they go to sleep. It just feels so good. That's called the presence of God. And I I just love what God is doing with you. Um, You know, the prophet Amos, in um, the book of Amos, he makes this wonderful statement as he's prophesying. He says, in the season of rain, ask the Lord for more rain. He gives you permission to be greedy for more of God's presence. And it sounds like God's doing something with you guys. It sounds like God is unusually... Presenting himself amongst you as a community. Learn from Amos. Both um, Amos Wild, (laughs) learn from Amos Wild and learn from Amos the prophet. Ask for more. Ask for more. And I love the series that you guys are are stepping into around um, the Holy Spirit. And so I want to unpack a few things. Before I do, um, I just need to say that this sermon comes with a health warning. Um, The Holy Spirit is the most inconvenient person you will ever meet. He often interrupts. He often changes plans. He doesn't mind overriding my plans for his plans. And he loves to glorify Jesus, even in the most inconvenient moments. And so if you want in on a life of holy inconvenience, this sermon is probably going to bless you today. If you don't want holy inconvenience, God bless you. (laughs) Because you might just be offended. Do um, you know, I, I wanted to share two quick healing stories that have been so much fun, and I want to just kick off by praying uh, for these two things. I was uh, in Northern California a few months ago uh, preaching um, at a church uh, in Reading, and I brought a word of knowledge about people with ringing in their ears and uh, even hearing um, conditions to do with that. And... Um, It was being streamed online. If you are watching online, I want to encourage you. God can meet you where you're at um, in this way. And uh, a lady was listening to that, and I described her situation quite specifically, even given the amount of time that that had happened. Um, And the presence of God filled her car as she was listening to the live streaming audio, so much so that she had to pull over to the side of the street, um, as the presence of God began to fill her and instantaneously she was healed. And for the first time, I think it was in over four years, she had complete peace in her mind with no, um, unusual sounds and ringing in her ears. And you love Jesus. In, um, in December last year, I was doing, we do a lot of work online in terms of, um, uh, our ministry and how we serve. And um, it is so much fun seeing God break in. Uh, we have a course called Vox Day, which really is a course. Vox Day is Latin for Voice of God. It is a course to help people engage with the voice of God because uh, God is not dysfunctional. He's not a dysfunctional father. He loves to speak to his children. And it's your inheritance to hear his voice. Um, And uh, there was a lady on there. The Lord gave me a particular word of knowledge. Now, a word of knowledge is a piece of information that God just gives me, um, not because I'm trying to work really hard for it, but because he loves to speak to us. And uh, I felt God show me that there was a lady that was watching. There were about 120 people on this particular class. And I, I felt that she'd been diagnosed with an immune condition that impacted some of the blood levels uh, in her body. And she'd been struggling with it. And I felt like it was almost a year anniversary of that immune condition. And this lady responded. And uh, I prophesied all of this over her. She kept the recording. Um, and a few days later, she went to the doctor. Uh, she was living in Australia at the time. I think she was from Melbourne. Um, Australia. So she was up very early watching this, and uh, she went to the doctor and said to the doctor, "Can we do some some bloods again? Um, I just want to check out where my levels are at and what's happening with the immune condition. Her particular immune condition is incurable, um, and uh, the doctors could do nothing except manage it. And uh, as she, as they did the test, the doctors uh, called her back in and said, "This is really bizarre. We cannot find." Your autoimmune dysfunction any longer. All of your blood levels are 100% normal. This is outrageous. And uh, this lady, wise woman, said, Can I play you a prophecy? And the doctor was like, Huh? <laughs> and of course, a week earlier, I brought this prophetic word of how God was going to heal her. In that moment, this, um, at the time, atheist doctor, um, began to weep as the presence of God began to hit her. Um, and she said, I, I can't explain this, but what I do know is I need to come to your church. Wow. Guys, we are, we are living in days of incredible glory. And one of the things I love about Acts chapter 19 is I think this is the most outrageous start of anybody's ministry into a particular region. Paul shows up in Ephesus. This is the center of political and spiritual power of the day. This is a melting pot of religious worldviews. This is a melting pot of colors and cultures. And Paul shows up there, finds 12 people, 12 men, who hadn't even received a full understanding of the gospel. All they knew is that there was this prophet, John, who had spoken about a new way of God's kingdom coming to the earth, and they decided to get baptized into the way of that kingdom, not even knowing what the point of the kingdom is or who the king of the kingdom is. And what happens out of this encounter as Paul prays for them and they receive, the Holy Spirit. I wanted to say this just to help you. The Holy Spirit is not a force. He's not a power. He is a person. He is the third person of the Godhead. He is, He is Father, Son, and Spirit. That is who God is. And the Holy Spirit is, um, a, a, um, is the person of God made manifest to us in a beautiful way. Jesus promises us in Acts and in the Gospels that He would pour out His Holy Spirit, the Spirit that flows from him onto his people so that they will become a new community who will demonstrate the ways and the power of the kingdom. And um, I I love what's happening here because these guys have been waiting for this moment and they received the Spirit. And the direct result of that is this incredible evangelization of the whole region of Ephesus and Asia Minor. I mean, these uh, what what happened was so outrageous that Luke, the writer, is unable to describe the kinds of miracles that are happening. And so the writer there, Luke, he says, and God was doing extraordinary miracles at the hands of Paul. And, And the word there is a double word. It's extraordinary, extraordinary miracles. There's an extra, extra, extraordinary on the extraordinary. Because it was so off the charts, it was it was the kind of miracles that sound unusual. It's the kind of miracles that sound like resurrections from the dead. It's the kind of miracles that sounds like incurable diseases getting cured. I mean, Jesus, do that again, right? I, I'm I'm like revival or bust. I'm not waiting for heaven to experience heaven. And so these incredible. Miracles, and as he's often, right, Paul is now in the synagogue talking to these guys about the ways of the kingdom, and don't you love how religion tries to squash out power? How religion tries to squash out experience, genuine experiences with God, that doesn't fit into our parameters of perceived theological correctness, then we dismiss it because it doesn't fit our style, it doesn't fit our dynamic. I'll move on quickly. Because we all have these preconceived ideas of how we think God should move. Numbers of years ago, the power of God moved in some extraordinary ways in a place called Toronto, and it impacted thousands, if not millions of people. It was called the Toronto Blessing in 1994, and I'll share some of my story in a moment around that. But it was incredible to see how people were so offended. And one of the things that they would often say is, we need to have order in church. And I remember thinking to myself, well, whose order do we need to have? You know, the, the birthing room of a hospital seems extremely unorderly. It doesn't follow any helpful protocols, but nurses and doctors know what they're doing. The graveyard seems extremely ordered, but it's dead. And so the synagogue, these guys are like, I just dropped the my there, sorry. Um, so these guys are sitting there, and they're offended with what Paul is teaching, and eventually cause such a stir that Paul has to leave. I love what the bishop, well, the bishop Wright says. He says that everywhere Saint Paul went, a riot ensued. Everywhere I go, they serve me tea. And Paul moves from what's called the sacred religious place, the places that we think are holy, the places that we think are reserved for God's presence, and he moves to the Hall of Tyranus, a public space, a space of philosophy. (laughs) Oh Lord, that we would get some wise, spiritual Christians in the highest levels of philosophical ideologies to begin to demonstrate the kingdom again. We're not going to win arguments around sexuality. We're not going to win arguments around political ideology it's simply through information. It's got to come with a demonstration of the spirit's power. And they move from the public space into the public, uh, private space, or sacred space into the public space. I want to say this: there is a day coming in America where we're going to have to be trained to withstand public scrutiny and still demonstrate our faith publicly. We're not far from it, dear brothers and sisters. And the one thing I know because I have uh, family and friends who work in persecuted contexts, is that the only way you get to be public about your faith in pers- during persecution is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we see this moment, and Paul says to them, did you receive the Spirit, when you believed, And that poses some incredible questions for me, and I want to just unpack this for a moment, because I believe that we live in a generation that often loves the mental ascent to the gospel, but downplays or entirely misses the experiential empowerment of the Spirit. And so we see Paul saying, did you receive? And they go, no, we were baptized into John's baptism. And then he says, you need to be baptized into the baptism of Jesus. And they would have known because John promised there is one who is coming whose shoes, sandals I'm unworthy to untie. When he comes, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. I don't know if you've ever put your hand in fire. Not a great idea. But you got to feel something when that happens. You're not going to pay mental assent to the heat of the fire. You're going to feel it. And Paul prays for them to receive Jesus, and at the same time then releases the Holy Spirit. And it says this, And they spoke with other tongues and prophesied. And I want to lean in a little bit this morning to the concept and to the experience of baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I want to say a few things. When you become a Christian, you receive all of God. It's biblically true. It would be theologically amiss um, for me to say that there's still something extra that you need. But it would also be theologically incorrect if I did not say to you that baptism in the Holy Spirit is an event that happens after salvation. Yes. Now, when you study Acts chapter 8, when you study um, Paul's own story of receiving Christ and a few days later receiving the Holy Spirit, you will see that whilst we receive the fullness of the Spirit, there is a moment post-conversion and sometimes at conversion because we can't formularize God. That you receive an empowerment that is known, felt, experienced, and demonstrated. And I love what's happening in this context because Paul prays for these guys and they get baptized. Now, I love that word, baptized. And forgive me if you heard me preach some of this at Empowered a number of years ago at one of the conferences. But baptism is a great word. It's a word that we use to describe um, marination marinate. Now, I'm from South Africa. Do we have any South Africans in the house? God bless you and God forgive you. Um, no, I'm checking. Now, we have a thing called a braai. You want to say that? It's just like a braai. It's kind of like a barbecue, except we have real meat, not hamburgers. And uh, what you do at a braai is you find the best looking cow And, uh, sorry, I might offend a few people. I just realized. Please forgive me. Let's remove the pictorial language. Get some good steak. And you take the meat of that steak and you baptize it. You marinate it in olive oil, garlic, rosemary, and a little red wine. Sweet Jesus, I feel the glory right now. And what you do with that thing is you allow the marination, the oil, the wine, the flavor to get into the flesh of the meat so that when fire hits that meat, there is this flavor profile that will take you to heaven. When you understand baptism, it means a complete immersion, a complete covering, a complete marination so that what's around you Empowers the flesh on you. When we talk about baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's not simply that we're getting more in us, it's that we're getting more on us so that what is in us begins to empower what's around us. God wants to empower you to live an extraordinary life. God wants to empower you to live his life. Listen, you can try your best at a just saying no campaign to stop sinning. You ain't never going to do that. You need the power of the Spirit. And it's an event that God wants to lead you into. If you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want to say today is a good day for you to be baptized in the Spirit. Now, I wish I had time, but I want to just lean into this one aspect. The Holy Spirit is not simply about receiving more power. The Holy Spirit is not simply about getting more of him so we can do more for him. No, when Jesus is filled with the Spirit, and how many of you know if Jesus needed to be filled with the Spirit as fully God, fully man, we might need some of that too. And in John, the Gospel of John says the Holy Spirit rested and remained on him. And the way that there would be a recognizable feature that this was the Son of God was that the Spirit would rest and remain on him. And I want to suggest to you, in accordance with Scripture throughout the epistles, in Romans, in Galatians, in Ephesus, in Philippians, uh, we see that the authenticating mark of our sonship or daughtership of us being the children of God is not what we do for God. It's not how hard we work for him. It's not how many good works we do for him. The authenticating mark is that we are filled with the Spirit. It is by the Spirit that we cry out, Abba, Father. It is by the Spirit that we know we are adopted as sons because the Holy Spirit comes to empower your new identity as the sons and daughters of God. It is good news. He requires your whole life, and then he empowers your whole life. That's why the Bible says he who loses his life will find it. You know, one of the things that I love about the empowering of the Holy Spirit and the receiving of the Holy Spirit is that it's a sign of the love of God to us. You know, in Luke chapter 15, we see that great story of the prodigal son. It really should be prodigal father. The word there for prodigal is, it's lavish. It's a lavish. um, and, And the only person that's being lavish in that story is the father. Lavish with his love, lavish with his resources, lavish with his forgiveness, lavish with bringing no shame on his son. And there's this beautiful moment that we see where the son is running, is coming into town and the father begins to run towards him. You remember that story? So wonderful. And the Bible says that the father fell on the son and began to kiss him. And it wasn't a beautiful English little kiss. It was an offensive, over the top mwah, 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 I know you're starting to feel uncomfortable. And then some mwah, mwah, mwah. It was uncomfortable. The Father wanted everyone to know, this is my son. He was dead, but now he's alive. Yeah. And Luke is the same writer who writes the Gospel of Acts, who writes the Book of Acts. And there's this moment uh, in Acts uh, where I think it's um, Peter preaching to Cornelius. He says, and the Holy Spirit fell on them. He uses the exact same word for holy, the Father falling on the Son, and the same for the Holy Spirit falling on the people of God in Acts because the Holy Spirit is the kiss of the Father to us. You know, when, when I get home, my dad in Cape Town, I'm from Cape Town, from South Africa. When I get home in Cape Town, my dad will meet me at the airport and he'll come up to me and give me a fat kiss on my lips. Now, I know some of you are like, mm, that's never going to happen for me. <laughs> I appreciate that in my culture, that's what we do. Now, if a random man walked up and kissed me on my lips, I think I might just lose the fruit of self-control and punch him in the head because he's not allowed to do that. He doesn't have the privilege of kissing me on my lips. Only my dad, as a man, gets that privilege. Any other person, I'm going to karate kick them. It's my space. My face. The sign that he's my father... Uniquely as as a man who gets to kiss me. That's the sign that he's my dad. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's the outrageous unrestrained of heaven to you. From your heavenly Father saying, you're mine. You're mine. We've made the receiving of the Spirit about mission. And we've bypassed relationship as a result. When the invitation to baptism, being marinated, being covered, being filled with the Spirit, is not simply about mission. It's about your relationship with a good Papa who loves you. Now, some of you are sitting listening to this and you're thinking, you don't know what my dad's like. And you're right, I might not know. But what I want to say to you about Heavenly Papa is that he's kinder than you could ever know, he's more generous than you could ever imagine. He's more joy-filled and happy. In fact, he is the most joyful person you'll ever meet. And that his kindness towards you is never based on what you can do. And as theologian Ben Witherington says that the reception of the Spirit has nothing to do with my law-keeping and everything to do with the generosity of the Father. He has shed, uh, shed his love and his Spirit on our hearts without any restraint. Now listen. Something happens when you receive the Holy Spirit. And I want us to understand this. In fact, before I get there, how do we receive the Holy Spirit? What do we need to do? Now, that's an interesting question. I want to encourage you that receiving the Holy Spirit all starts, as John chapter 7 says, with thirst. He who is thirsty, lame, come to me and drink. John 7, 37. You need to be thirsty. Now, some of you, um, I'll get there in a moment. The the simplicity is to be thirsty. God, I want you to fill me. Now, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16 says some wonderful things. I want to quickly just read this. I'm just going all over my notes here, but I'm going to go with it. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. I agree with that assessment. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love this particular verse because Paul is inviting us to a dwelling place with the Spirit. Most Christians will say, oh, I've I've received the Holy Spirit. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit after I got saved in 1980 or, you know, in 20." 15 or whatever it is where maybe you had an encounter with God and you got filled with the Spirit. But this verse is the happy command of Scripture. It tells us to be filled consistently. That word be filled is a continuous verb. It literally means be filled, be filled, be filled, be filled, be filled. And when you're done being filled, be filled some more. And then be filled a little bit more In fact, why didn't you be filled again? In fact, right now, where you're seated, why didn't you just go ahead and be filled? Be filled, be filled. You see, baptism in the Spirit is not a once-off event. It's a dwelling place. It's a place we consistently receive. The life that we need to live is a consistent receiving. And what's beautiful about the text here is that the filling is not dependent on our ability to receive. The emphasis in the structure of the sentence is the Pouring out of the Spirit on God's willingness and on his part to fill us. All we need to do is be thirsty. God wants you to live in the space of being filled. God wants you to live in the space of being overwhelmed by his presence and power. Bible is very clear in Luke chapter 11, verse 11, that God will not give us anything other than the Holy Spirit. There's some people who teach that you can get um, forces of evil and darkness by osmosis, that you've got to be very careful when you go to particular churches. I want to say to you that Luke eleven eleven says that if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will the Father in heaven give you the Holy? Openness to the Holy Spirit doesn't lead us into deception. Sin leads us into deception. There's a big difference. How do you receive? Be thirsty. Be open to receive from Him. Not only that, Allow him to fill you. The thing about God is that he loves to work in relationship and in partnership with you. Now, I believe God can override our will. He did so for Paul. People often say to me, you know, the Holy Spirit's a real gentleman. I'm like, he knocked Paul clear off a horse. I don't know how gentlemanly that is. I I don't know, you know, we sometimes read scripture with our wonderful, neat, sterile, Western mindsets. When when you see what's happening, I mean, imagine Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit comes upon the church, people look like they're drunk. At nine o'clock in the morning. I mean, just imagine that first church. I wonder if we sometimes want the same results of the early church without the same openness to being fully given to the Holy Spirit, as the early church was. Brian Bunke says, if you want the results of the early church, you need to do it the early church way. Otherwise, you'll keep trying to serve better coffee. I'll move on. We need to allow him to move on. I believe he is a gentleman in the best sense of the word, but I also believe that sometimes God just wants to fill us. My own experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit is I grew up in a charismatic home where, you know, it was wild and crazy. And you didn't want to get sick in our home because my mama would get out the anointing oil, pour it all over your head. Never a good look going to school with greasy hair. And it didn't matter if you were sick, you're still going to school. I just prayed for you, go. You're on your way, You're healed. And we're like running a temperature, dying. (laughs) So I grew up in the atmosphere of Holy Spirit. I need to check the time, sorry. I grew up in this atmosphere of Holy Spirit, moving, doing amazing things. It was amazing. Loved it. I spoke in tongues from a young age. Um, it's one of the things that happens when you get filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not the only thing. It's not the primary evidence. It's one of the things. You speak in tongues. Not only that, you get filled with joy. I mean, not the kind of joy that's deep, 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 deep down. The kind of joy that moves your face. The kind of joy that makes you a pleasure to hang out with. The kind of joy that makes you look real happy. God, can we have some more happy clappies? Because I tell you, you know, with the advent of um, self-care and inward-looking, people have just become grumpy. It's like baptized with lemon juice kind of grumpy. But what happened for me is I was a shy, introverted kid, the age of 15, slightly awkward-looking. I think my head was too big for my body. It was just, you know, that awkward phase. I had this list. That was so pronounced that everywhere I went, people couldn't understand me. People didn't know what was going on. And I I hated it. I hated the sound of my voice. And on a day... The Holy Spirit came upon me and it wasn't very gentlemanly like because we were in a school building much like this with wooden floors. You need to understand, I did not say anything to anyone. I didn't say boo or a goose. I was like, I'm quiet, introverted. My profile, personality profile, would have definitely been extremely introverted. And the next minute, this man prays for me and I begin to bounce up and down my body height on wooden floors. Lots of noise right there. And then, you know, when you're having that awkward, your voice is breaking moment, and you're hitting high notes and low notes at the same time? Well, I began to laugh, and it was clearly demonstrated that my voice was breaking at that moment. And I began to laugh and laugh, and it was so loud, and I remember bouncing up and down thinking, what on earth am I doing? And as that happened, I fell like into the power of God. I mean, Lord Jesus helped me in a church of about four or five hundred. I'm like, what on earth is going on? But the more I thought, the more I began to laugh and laugh. The kind of belly laugh that you just don't know what to do as the power of the Holy Spirit began to fill me. And a week later, I got up at the age of 15 and preached my first sermon to 120 kids and the presence of God broke in and I've not stopped preaching since then. And here's the thing, there's nothing in me that qualifies me to do this, but the Holy Spirit. What happens, how you receive? You're open, you're thirsty, you allow God to do whatever he wants. What happens? You get power. You get joy. Gifts of the Holy Spirit open up to you. Speaking in tongues is a normal part of traditional orthodox Christian life. It's not a weird extra. Throughout church history, people have been speaking in tongues. Do you know what I found about speaking in tongues, for me personally, is that it was the only time, and still is the only time, where I get to, without any restriction, in a full abandon, worship God with my heavenly language, knowing that my list in that moment doesn't count. Not only that, you see, I'm a person of color and grew up in apartheid. And I know what it's like to be separated from white and black and mixed race. I know what it's like to see cultures and people separated. The gift of tongues is not only an individual thing, it is a corporate thing. Because in the outpouring of the Spirit, as people begin to speak in tongues, God redeems what began at the Tower of Babel in the separation of nations. The gift of tongues is then assigned to the unbeliever because in that moment, every tribe, every tongue, every culture, every racial group begins to pray out in one language to God. And what was lost at the Tower of Babel in terms of unity by the Spirit is restored when we as a community are filled with the Holy Spirit, baptizing power, speaking in tongues, moving in prophecy, demonstrating joy. You can see I'm getting happy. <laughs> ah, man alive, it's such good news. And the beautiful thing is that the Holy Spirit fills us. Now I want to just quickly say this as we're coming for a landing. Do I need to end right now? Can I, I go? I, I'm not going to preach much longer because I, I feel some hunger in the room. I feel like some of you are like, shut up already, I want to receive. So we're going to get there in a moment. I want to say that you will know when you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I, I fear that in the Western church, we're afraid to pastor people into an encounter lest God doesn't show up. And the truth is, dear brothers and sisters, I'm not preaching my opinion. I'm preaching what's in Scripture. That when people got filled with the Spirit, they knew it. It wasn't like, mm, I'm not quite sure, maybe something might have happened. Air-conditioning blue, i got goosebumps, maybe. It's the air-conditioning, not the Holy Spirit. Something's going to happen. You're going to receive power. You're going to receive joy. I say that confidently. Some of you are going to speak in other languages. I want to say that I do not believe that speaking in tongues is a mark of spirituality. It's not a mark of one person better than the other. I do not believe theologically that everyone has to speak in tongues. But I do believe theologically that everyone who is a Christian can speak in tongues. And very often our brain gives us what I call the paralysis of analysis. Where we're trying to work it out. But do you know what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians about speaking in tongues? That your mind is unfruitful. It means it's not supposed to make sense to your mind. That's a biblical response. When you're going, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't even sound normal to me. That's a very biblical response. The great theologian, Apostle Paul, wrote that. I want to encourage you, dear friends, that God wants to fill you today. And in a moment, I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And your job is to go, Holy Spirit, fill me. I'm here to receive. Now, what I often find is that people get like super intense when it comes to Holy Spirit. And they kind of assume the position.
3: (laughs) I'm ready, God!
2: (laughs) You're going to blow a blood vessel if you do that. Just relax. He's eager to bless you. And then there are other people who are like, I don't like the phenomenon of the Spirit, so I'm going to be standing. Don't you even try and push me over. I'm not going to be, I don't know why we use the word slaying in the spirit, resting in the spirit. I'm not going to rest in the spirit. Just go ahead do whatever you can. Impress me if you can, Julian. Well, I can't. And actually, at the end of the day, phenomena aren't the sign of God's presence at work in your life. Fruit is the sign. But phenomena is good if God is doing it. And if he's doing it, I want some more a number of years ago um, people started getting gold dust on their hands or on their faces during worship and oil dripping from their hands I was so offended I was like show me where that is in the Bible until God started putting gold dust without my permission on my face and on my hands as I was preaching and I was still offended <laughs> and it's like God was like son I reserve the right to mess with your mind I'm God I was like Okay, phenomena, some of you are going to experience the phenomena of the Holy Spirit. Some of you might feel joy, you might feel, like, I don't know if you're going to feel nothing. My dad's like the rock of Gibraltar. He just stands there, nothing happens, he doesn't shake, rattle and roll. He doesn't do any courtesy drops and rest in the Spirit and someone <laughs> prays for them. He is... I mean, people the charismatics are weird. Some people just fall out because they're trying their best to impress the preacher. No, don't do that. That's just the spirit of stupid. But when he walks out of the meeting, the fruit that's on his life is amazing. And you're in a contest right now where the Holy Spirit's going to touch you. Can I get the guy who's, um, Travis, can you come and play? He's so anointed, man. Guys, I feel like we need to get like an aerosol can of worship from this church so I can spray it all over Boston. Um How many of you can sense the presence of God is here right now? He wants to meet with you. Now, some of you are thinking about all the reasons you're disqualified from receiving. I want to tell you there is not one reason because there's no preferring and he's loving. He loves you because he loves you because he loves you. And if you're not a Christian, a good start for you is to become one right now. And the simplicity of becoming a Christian is not saying a formulaic prayer. It's simply recognizing, God, I've been doing a really bad job at trying to be God of my own life. And that's called sin. Forgive me of trying to lead my own life and living in a place that consistently misses the mark of your goodness. Jesus, you are God. You lived, you died, so that my wrongdoing will no longer be counted against me. I receive your forgiveness. And just like that, you're in. It's not complicated. The Bible says the only initiating exchange that happens in salvation is you give him your sin, and he gives you his righteousness as a gift. So if you're not a Christian here today, if you don't know what it's like to walk free from the guilt of sin, if you don't know what it's like to walk free from the overwhelming sense of fear, today's a good day for that. Hey, kids, come on in. Um, We're going to pray for some kids, too, in a moment. Um, I was three years old at the end of my third year when I began speaking other languages and tongues. And so I have full anticipation that God wants to bless some of our kids today. Are you up for that? Now I know I'm, I think I'm five minutes over. <sighs> I tell you, the Holy Spirit's really inconvenient. Your lunch plans are going to have to be a little bit late, sorry. But if you're hungry and you're thirsty, he wants to fill you today. I to want you stand, please. We invite you, Holy Spirit. Can I ask you to just keep the lights up just a little bit because that just helps me see people when I need to prophesy over them. Thank you. So here's what I'm going to do right now is I'm not going to make you speak in tongues all at once and go a little bit crazy. I'm not going to try and make you shake rattle and roll. What I'm asking you is to be thirsty. Just ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill you. If you're thinking of all of the disqualifying reasons that you cannot be filled, maybe because just last night you did something sinful, I want to tell you, he doesn't count your sins against you and he wants to fill you anyway. Maybe you've had a bad relationship with your dad and you the idea that God actually wants to bless you is so tricky that you don't, you, you can't even think that the kindness of God Like a father wants to bless you because you've had such a bad example of authoritative figures in your life. I want to tell you, he really is kinder than you could ever know. And right now, he wants to fill you. Remember, the pouring out, the filling is done on his part. Because he's eager to meet with you. And just right now, some of you are going to receive the joy of God. Many of you are going to begin to encounter his presence. You're actually going to feel physical sensations on your body. That's good. It's not a bad thing. If you don't feel anything, that's also okay because we receive by faith. That means we trust that God's goodness is so good that even when we cannot see the result of it, we know he's already at work in us. Holy Spirit, we invite you. We thank you that you're here already. Hey, kids, would you guys like to receive the Holy Spirit? Great. What I'm going to ask you to do is to stand up too. We can ask the Holy Spirit just to come and fill us. Can I ask you a quick question, kiddies? How many of you work really hard at receiving gifts from your parents? So we're like... (laughs) Let me rephrase that question. How many of you love receiving gifts from your parents? Great. And this is for for you guys too. You love receiving gifts from your parents? When you get a gift that's wrapped up, what do you do? Do you wait for a moment? Do you try and like check it out and just like be a little bit slow in opening it? Or do you open it immediately because you can't wait to see it? Great. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit who's a very real person and who is a gift to us to come and fill you. And all you need to do is open up your heart, just like opening up a present and say, I want to see what's inside so that he can fill it. And all I'm asking you guys to do is to close your eyes just for a moment, lift open your hands. You don't have to concentrate on anything else. I want you to picture the Holy Spirit filling you right now. Holy Spirit, come right now. The rest of us, just let's lift up our hands. Holy Spirit, won't you come right now in Jesus' name? Would you begin to fill people all across this room right now? I release an outpouring of the Spirit upon this community right now that the one who is called Jesus is here to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire now. Fill your people in Jesus' name. There it is. God's presence is coming upon numbers of you right now. Just receive. I'm not concerned about the noise up front. I'm not concerned about what's happening up front. Just where you are, receive from him. He's beginning to move right now. Fill your people right now. More right now. Increase your presence, God. Increase the tangible sense of your presence come Holy Spirit
1: Thank you for listening for more information please visit garden.church
3: our hearts are-